1: It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. <laughs> 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 Jeez. You can't. It's like I want to go there, but I don't want to go there. There's this pause, and I, I hear
2: you. In, I hear your the wheels churning. Like, wait, what am I going to say? I can't. Oh, here it comes, and I can't stop it.
1: I can't stop the floodgates. I'm Saturday morning to you there. Now, oh, on my. Saturdays
2: when you're not here doing this, is that how you greet your family in the morning when they like walk in? The kids walk in.
1: And- it should be. I should start. I'm just going to start doing that all the time. Every morning, the first person I greet will, will get this greeting. Great. And you've got. I'll find Martin to you today.
2: You'll get the eye roll. Oh, Dad's being weird again. Yep, Right. He, I get that anyway. He, yes. So. yes <laughs> That'll be yes, nothing new. Yes. That's, that's uh, what happens
1: with teenagers. Ugh. yes. Yes. How's your week been? What's new? What's shaking? What's what? What are the haps? <laughs> Is that what the kids say these days?
2: No, not at all. <laughs> But that doesn't mean we can't say that. Uh, (laughs) Right. You know, it's uh, school's out. So schedules are all different. And I don't know, it always seems like when school's out and my kids have free time or I don't know, it seems like suddenly my evenings get freed up. I don't I don't know why. It seems like I'm on summer break, too, although I have to work. But it seems like my evenings are just different because I'm not having to. I don't know. Make sure they're doing homework. I, I don't know. It's weird. So I've been uh, getting into the Criterion Channel and uh, the you sure have been the Columbia oh, Noir uh, when it when they first launched. That was one of the sort of categories they were promoting. They had a you know a whole list, these sort of playlist built out called Columbia Noir. And so I decided <laughs> after watching Gaslight and all that to you know I'm, I'm enjoying these older films. Maybe I should check this out. And I. Then discovered, oh, a lot of these are on special engagement that they're going away at the end of June. So now I'm, I'm just working my way chronologically through the Columbia Noir. And I'm having a lot of fun watching these, you know, older films that are with runtimes of like an hour or 70 minutes. It's really interesting to see the structure of them and how they take their time. And then not suddenly, oh, well, we've got like seven minutes. We better just wrap this up. Like, wait, what? <laughs> just <laughs> suddenly, like, we're going to resolve this really quickly. Instead of, like, spending another 20 or 30 minutes, we're just going to end it right now. And I'm assuming that has to do with, like, real length or something like that. I don't know. With, on these low-budget films. But there, there's some really good stuff there. I'm, I'm going to try and get through. I think there's 12 in the collection. I'm going to try and get through. the. I've got, like, nine left, I think. Ten, nine or ten left. I'm going to try and get through them by the end of the month. So that's that's okay. my goal. Yeah. That's not too bad. That's kind of a a fun goal to have. I you know a couple you know a couple of week and uh yeah, it's I'm I'm really looking forward to uh seeing the transition in noir from, you know, the early forties as we get into the fifties, uh, because there was a little, uh, introductory piece, uh, sort of talking about Columbia and noir and how noir wasn't really a sort of a genre at the time. It was more of like murder, you know, murder stories and looking at these early ones that are more like psychological, almost like the gaslighting. Uh, and then, you know, later on we get more into the hard world detective type of story. So I'm I'm going to enjoy sort of this little, uh, journey through the decades
1: that's a little easier of a of a task than you know my crazy <laughs> 200 some films that i've added to my watch list after <laughs> listening to the uh 80s all over podcast <laughs> Ooh, what am i doing to myself I, I don't know i i don't know what what are you doing to
2: yourself now is it 80s stuff that you've seen before it's it's 80s things that you just totally seen, you just haven't seen in a long time yeah. Right, it's yeah. both. Oh, okay. Some I
1: haven't seen in ages, and I'd like to revisit. Some I just never saw, it. and and some I never, uh, some I never saw, but have always been curious about. Some of it is stuff that I I never saw, and uh, I I was like not curious about it. But then I hear them talk about it. I'm like, oh, maybe I should have been curious about <laughs> that. I'll have to check that one out.
2: Okay. Yeah, And any surprising, like, hidden gems that you've discovered in this little 80s thing?
1: Well, I haven't had a chance to dig too deep yet. Mostly what I've been doing is, uh, you know, I had been prepping for that... um Panel I was on. Oh, the, oh, uh, that's right. Oh, uh, wait,
0: yeah. How did that
1: at, go? At Phoenix Comic Con. You know, it went. It was. A, it was a successful conversation. We had a nice chat about kind of the the rise of superhero movies from Superman all the way up through X Men and beyond. And uh, yeah, we're actually going to release it as a special um, bonus episode uh, during our hiatus, I believe. Oh, so people, great. I don't know if it's just a Patreon only or for everybody but uh it's something that we'll be releasing so everyone will get a chance to hear our conversation. It was a fun one. We we got uh you know uh, you know we go off on a few tangents and uh maybe spend a little too much time on certain films that might not need time spent on but, <laughs> but all in all it was still it was still a good a good conversation to have. So yeah, it was fun. But because of that, I largely the '80s films I had still been <laughs> focusing on were the ones that were, uh, you know, Howard the Duck and uh-huh. uh, Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher. Things that you know I, I didn't want to necessarily be watching, but. But I did watch uh, Men in Black with the kids and that this doesn't fit in any way to the 80s all over podcast, but uh, more to this one, um, looking at Men in Black with the kids. And that was fun. You know, I hadn't watched that film in ages and I was like, you know, this might be a fun one to show the kids. And uh, yeah, they really enjoyed it. And so I figured, well, we'll go through the others, getting ready for the new one that's coming out categorize yeah, it. yeah.
2: it's it's a light comedy but it's got some darkness to it as well because you've got the re- yeah. I mean, really creepy uh sort of you know antagonist vincent onofrio the you know bug guy and uh, but i remember just i don't it have it not taking itself too seriously having a lot of fun with it which i think some movies lose we don't
1: I, you know yeah uh, it's one that, you know, revisiting it it reminded mm. me the story itself is is not super Oh yeah, uh, strong, but what really stands out is just the world building they did. They yeah. did a great job of making the world. It was a lot of fun to kind of uh, just to kind of go along with. I had a yeah. good time with the ride and, you know, I've never seen the second one. I hear it's terrible, but it'll be an interesting one to look at and see if the kids get any more out of it. And then uh, the third one, I think, is, it might be my favorite of, of the ones I've seen. So I'm, I'm looking forward to looking at those films again.
2: You know, I don't think I saw the third one. Is that the one with Josh Brolin? Because they go back. It and is. That, and that's the one that yeah. I have not seen. Because I thought, oh, they're just going back to the money machine and, and cranking another one out. But
1: if you say it's worth checking out, I may have to. It was, a, I thought it was very smartly done. Okay. So. Yeah.
2: Check that one out. I have to put it on the list, see if I can find it. May get around to it in the next year or two. We'll
1: see. (laughs) So that's me not quite being patient zero (laughs) on this one. Well
2: (laughs) I haven't incentive. I I haven't
1: you you, you haven't seen it, but you've seen the you you're familiar with the franchise. It's not like a totally new film. And it's
2: it's one that uh, might be you know might check that one out you know getting ready for the next one i know it's not a straight you know sequel it's in that well maybe it is i don't know but it it might be worth checking it out uh prepping for the new one so
1: so what's uh what's new in the movie world any any new interesting information i haven't come across
2: anything i think the big news has just been you know the whole star wars disney thing opening I, i've seen that all over the place, uh, and then I guess the related Disney news is Disney
1: not shooting in Georgia is is one thing that I've yeah. seen. Uh, you know, the, gonna, I hear Warner Brothers is looking at doing the same.
2: Oh, because yeah, I, I remember. See, I think almost all of like the Marvel stuff. It's always like a lot of those were shot in Georgia, as I recall. Because I see the big Georgia peach there at the end for. I think wasn't it the. I can't remember if it was the first Avengers or did they, they, no, they shot that one in like Cincinnati or something like that, I think. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Andy, you're the Marvel guy. I know. No, I know you're, I don't you're, pay you're, attention, no. <laughs> you're like, I'm only an uh, Iron Man. Give me a break. Get, yeah, five right. years later, when I get to Avengers, we'll, we Give can me, talk about yeah. that where they shot it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, uh, that's the only thing that I, off the top of my head, uh,
1: I recall, I don't know, have you got any, any Marvel news or any other news you, I don't really know. I, I, you know, my, um, my brain's been just, just kind of busy with everything else going on and I just haven't had a chance to dig into any, any news at all. So I don't know.
2: We got the Batman, we got the Batman thing. That was the the,
1: the Batman decision has been been made. made. So I guess that's the, the other see
2: news that's out there is, you know, whether or not people care about it or not.
1: Got new Batman. I, you know, I think he's a great choice. I, you know, people seem to have issues, but I think, I don't know, I I like the idea of Robert Pattinson as Batman. I, I think that he's got a good look for it. So, yeah, I think,
2: you know, I Well, I don't want to say it's always the fault of the actor. I mean, it's going to depend on the script and the director and how all of those things work together. Um, You know, unfortunately, the you know whoever is the actor is going to take the brunt of it because they're you know the most visible on that. But I, I, you can't completely fault an actor uh, for these for these issues. So I I feel like it's unfair to him to to prejudge. You know, I think as we've talked about previously, everybody, you know. Was dumbfounded by the selection of Michael Keaton to play Batman. Here's a silly comic actor. Why would he do this? So we've got, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm always willing to give them a chance to to show what they can do. Um, I mean, we've still got the you know, Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Who knows what that thing's going to even look like? The the tone of that, I don't know. I, I'll walk in and and we'll see where things go with all this. So
1: yeah, yeah, right. right, right. You know, I do have, uh, I do have an odd bit of. Uh, I guess it's, I guess it's Marvel news. Um, this is a kind of a strange little story. Arnold Schwarzenegger. He is. Uh, you, you remember Kindergarten Cop, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Which was a kind of a fun, albeit oddly toned movie about a <laughs> cop who becomes a kindergarten teacher and then has to kill the bad guy and stuff. It <laughs> is like, who's, who's the target audience? I'm not yes. sure. Well. He is actually uh going back to uh to kindergarten uh with an animated project that he put together with Stan Lee. It's a cartoon called Superhero Kindergarten, written by Deadpool co-creator Fabian, uh I don't know how you say Fabian's last name, Nisieza. Okay. I don't know. I don't think I'm thinking Superhero Kindergarten long, Okay. Yeah. It revolves around Arnold Ar- Armstrong, formerly a superhero called Captain Courage, but now in semi-retirement as a gym teacher, having lost his superpowers, fighting his arch nemesis, Dr. Superior. But when an explosion of superpowered particles rain down and starts turning five year olds into X-Men, he is ideally placed to help them adjust. <laughs> OK, there's the strangest mashup uh, that I've heard in a while. <laughs> uh, but there it is. There you go. Yeah, there's you know,
2: it's it's been a while since we've had a sort of superhero high school movie. The last one I think of is oh gosh, Sky High, which was Oh yes. Oh my gosh, yep. that must have been like ten no, longer than that. It must have been like fifteen years ago or so. I can't I, but that's yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. There. with Kurt Russell's you got the pa- the superhero parents and the kids and all of that. So yeah, I guess what's it's time to, you know, take a new take on superheroes.
1: Now yeah. that we're we're yeah, past end game. Yeah. All right. They're always looking for new audiences. Yes. So, well, let's uh, let's talk
2: trailers. I guess you just are eager to talk about your weird A twenty four pick this week. <laughs> I was like, you and Pete were like. Usually, I'm the one that's like Tuesday or Wednesday posting trailers, and and you guys are like, it's like what tuesday wednesday both of you are like with your trailers i thought what i haven't even had a chance to look this week and you guys are already snapped snapping up trailers but you know when i saw yours i thought oh well that genre fits i'll i'll let andy have that one that one makes sense for you to have as a pick
1: well yeah so it, it's funny because i uh I I was actually surprised when, when Pete got so excited about it, I was like, really this trailer? Yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what, what drew him to it because, you know, he likes to tell us time and time again, uh, that horror is not his jam. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm guessing maybe it's the uh the comedy element of it. I don't know. There's a slight kind of comedy element. It's it's, it's weird. The the trailer is for Peter Strickland's new film In Fabric, which uh, it's <laughs> it's Do you Okay, this is kind of a random aside. Do you remember the show Amazing Stories? Yes. There was an episode in that show about a toupee that uh, that came to life, and, and it would basically—it was like a demon-possessed toupee or something, and it would—when <laughs> it gets on somebody's head, it would turn them into a killer— And they would like kill somebody and then it would jump off of their head and and get into somebody else's head or something. And it would keep (laughs) doing this. And the whole thing and it it, it all revolved around this silly joke, which is, you know, this guy says at the end, this is how he figures out who's doing it, because um, I think it's killing lawyers specifically. And he's like, yeah, lawyers sure are hell to pay hell to pay <laughs> it's <laughs> a hell, hell to pay, pay. Um. that was the whole gag they, they wrote it i think around that joke is pretty silly but I, I kind of feel like this is a similar it's this is a dress that i think is alive <laughs> and it's like a demon possessed dress that is tormenting this poor woman uh, i don't even know what to say about it it looks wacky it looks like a blend of some strange like Uh, some of the kind of uh, the Italian horror kind of the, the Gallo films are just, yeah, or Jallo. It, it, you know, it very much has that look. And uh, even the credits, like all the text on the screen, they really kind of play to that kind of older style. And it (laughs) looks so weird. Um, It looks like it could be creepy. It looks like it could be uh, funny. It looks like an interesting blend of all of that. Weirdly, the reason I shouldn't say weirdly, um, but, I didn't pick the trailer because of any of those reasons. I picked it because of uh, Marianne Jean-Baptiste, who I really enjoy as an actress, and I don't feel like I see her a ton, even though she is always busy. She's she's very much a busy actress in all sorts of projects including um like Edge of Tomorrow and Robo the recent RoboCop and uh you know she was in How to Get Away with Murder and she was in uh you know the Peter Rabbit movie so she's she's a very busy actress but I always go back to um uh, the 96 film Secrets and Lies that uh, that she was in that Mike Lee directed that was where I first um just totally fell in love with her as a performer I thought that film was just brilliant and I thought she was brilliant and seeing her kind of as the centerpiece of this film, paired with this this wonderful red dress, I was just thrilled. So, uh, so that's that kind of what drew me in. And um, I don't know, it, it looks really interesting. And I'm not that familiar with Peter Strickland, who's the writer director. I know I've heard of Barbarian Sound Studio, but I haven't seen any of his films. Uh, I don't know. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I love the style of the trailer. I,
2: that's what really mm-hmm. drew me in. And the the concept is. Is fun. So I am really interested to see what direction this takes, how they balance that horror with the ridiculousness of this premise of this, you know, cursed dress. Uh, Yeah, I'm not familiar. I haven't seen any of of Strickland's other films. I've heard of, what is it, Burberry Yeah, Yeah, Burberry. I've heard of that film because of, it's just supposedly a very disturbing film. Uh, So I don't. I don't know what to make of this, but it's, it's one, I don't know that I'm going to rush out to theaters to see it. Uh, I guess it depends where it shows up because it does look beautiful. to look, you know, the colors and everything. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll wait for maybe for some initial reviews before I rush out. Cause I just don't know on this one, but it is definitely intriguing. It's nothing that I would make JJ watch for trailer rewind. I, I'm <laughs> certain of that, but it does. It's, Horror is it really, you know, I think we've talked about this. It's, it's, there's a resurgence in horror in just the broad spectrum of how you can approach, you know, sort of the horror genre. And I'm always excited by something that's new. So it's, it is exciting. I I just cautious because I, I don't like to be really unsettled and disturbed by horror movies. And from what I've heard of, you know, there's Berberian and sound, sound studio, uh, it's nothing that I'm really interested in putting myself through. So I'm I'm cautious about this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it reminds me of the Suspiria remake. Yes. Oh well. It actually reminds me of both the original and the remake. Like it has that vibe running through it. Uh so it uh, yeah Yeah. it could kind of play like like one of those types of films. Um or it could just be something that's really wacky and you kind of scratch your head at when it's over and go, huh, okay. So, anyway, in fabric releases uh, June twenty eighth. Oh, just around so, the corner. Uh, yeah, it's not too far off. And actually, I have that as a UK release date. I don't know. Uh, as I look, I'm trying to find if it has a US release date here. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, looks like, uh, 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 other than film festivals in the U S it doesn't have a release date. It's oh, going okay. from, um, you know, it'll be at a bunch of festivals and then the UK, June 28th, Russia, August 15th, the Netherlands, September 5th. But past that, it has not, uh, looks like it hasn't found a U.S. distributor or if, if it has, they haven't set a date yet.
2: So All there right. you go in fabric. All right.
1: So what's yours? Oh, what have I got
2: here? I started digging around trying to find something. so what I came up with uh, was a surprise. Uh, So this is writer Andrea Berloff. Looks like she's cashing in her chips and and trying her hand as a director after writing uh, World Trade Center straight out of Compton. She's got this one, which is called The Kitchen, which is story of the wives of New York gangsters in Hell's Kitchen in the 1970s who continue to operate their husbands' rackets after they the husbands have been locked up in prison. Which, at first I thought, well, this sounds a lot like last year's film, Widows, where the wives take over. Right. But this one's sort of a, a period piece. Now, I never got around to seeing, seeing Widows, so I, I may have maybe a double feature coming out in the future. But what's intri- intriguing to me about The Kitchen is the cast, because you've got... Some recognizable faces, but more for comedy than for drama. When you've got now Melissa McCarthy has sort of done both sides of that, but Tiffany Haddish is really known for, for comedy. So this is her first, you know, attempt in drama. And some some comic actors can really make that transition well, others struggle with it. And then we also have Elizabeth Moss. So, I, I don't know the tone of this, how straight it's going to be, or if it's it's going to be a drama with comic moments to it. The trailer seems to be playing it more straight. The, the trailer really stylizes it like very gritty 70s Scorsese type. We've got this, you know, the, the mob and these wives trying to move in and take over. So, I'm... Not sure if that trailer is giving us everything. It is going to play as a straight drama. But I I just think when you've got Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish in there, there's got to be some improv. There's got to be some comedy going on. that's what people are going to show up to expect from this at least a few laughs from them so i i don't know how this film is going to balance all that out but it looks like um, a story that you know i find interesting like i said I, i may do a double feature with with widows at some point but uh this is hitting theaters august 9th right here at the the height of summer so what did you think of this one
1: I hadn't heard of this one yeah. and it got me really excited especially because I you know not too recently just finished my uh, Melissa McCarthy series yes. I just went watched all of her films and and finally just actually wrapped it up with Can You Forgive Me um I, you know I think that she's just a brilliant actress and I think that she can really effectively blend comedy and drama mm-hmm. And you know you get hints of that here, like when yeah. she's counting the money at the end of the trailer, right. which I lost count again. <laughs> you know, so yes. there's there's hints of that comedy that I think they're going to thread in here. Just, but I think the way that it plays off is it's it's they're they're keeping the comedy just kind of at at kind of normal levels of just funny. Yeah instances happening but really kind of focusing on this this story which looks really interesting and it's based on a vertigo comic which uh kind of a miniseries which uh you know i i saw the dc vertigo logo at the beginning i'm like yeah. oh what what is this right you know <laughs> hell's kitchen in the 70s what is going on here i i just i really had uh no idea what to expect watching this and like you said with this cast of ladies kind of helming this project i'm like it it, it it did not seem to fit but watching the trailer i was like these ladies are carrying this oh, yeah. really effectively and, and i was thrilled with the tone the look everything that andrea burloff is doing here i am really impressed with and you know i thought she did an incredible job with the writing on straight out of compton and and what she appears to be doing here i think yeah. I mean, count me in. I think this one looks really good. And I missed Widows also. And absolutely now want to uh, do kind of a double feature, both of these. Because I I think they both look um, like really good films. So, yeah, this very interesting pick. And I'm I'm glad that we got to talk about it. Yeah.
2: So, it's yeah, it it surprised me. This is one where... (sighs) I'm sort of expecting sometime in the summer after this has a big opening weekend, it'll be like, gosh, wow, what a surprise. You know, female led movies can do really strongly at the box office. I'm like, yes, we've been over this before, over and over again, (laughs) because it happened when Melissa McCarthy and uh, Sandra Bullock did, you know. The heat. the heat yeah, yeah people are like wow you know female you know you know comic, raunchy comedies I'm like yeah we, you talked about that with Bridesmaids as well so it's you know these shouldn't be surprises when these films come yeah. off and are and do well and are of high quality but it, with this cast it, I'm very excited we also have uh, Dom Hall Gleason and, and Common in there so a, a really solid cast and I'm you know good summer fun hopefully with, yeah, with, a, with a gritty twist definitely. yeah
1: yeah right <laughs> Well, count me in. I'm excited about that one. Okay. Well, I guess it's time for our lists. It is. Oh, my. Yes. (laughs) It was. Yeah. So (laughs) we did. uh, This was one where we kind of had to. uh, There was quite a, uh, quite a, uh, you know, a lockup that we had. Yes. Everybody uh, was pretty split on either talking about what we're talking about, POV films, or films with POV, or or what was the other choice that people were uh, picking? Um, uh, Me and My Shrink, right. right? Yes. So we are going with the POV, and it's, it's a fun one. Uh, there certainly were quite a bit of POV shots in Spellbound, which is the movie we're talking about this week. So, um, yeah. I guess we'll get started. Do you want to kick it off? You went first with your trailer. You go ahead and kick it off because I've got a short list and I'm
2: going to see if there's any steals. We will, (laughs) we will see.
1: Uh, I had a um, a longer list than I uh, thought. There's, there's, well, the thing is like, there are a lot of opportunities for POV. There's. There are entire films that are shot in POV, and uh, and then there's the the you know there's the POV where it's like um, the uh, just I guess kind of you know POV where it's like something that you wouldn't expect to see, right? Um, it, you know, or or looking at it through a particular object like binoculars, or I mean, we just did a lot of Iron Man conversations right. uh, mm-hmm. on the Marvel Movie Minute, looking at things through his HUD. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities like that. There's also like, you know, when you're, you know, drugged out and you're getting kind of that perspective POV, it's all kind of that. There's also like the monster POV, like something's coming up on you. And then there's also the strange POVs where it's like, you're an inanimate object and people just happen to be looking at you. And it's a, it's a weird (laughs) POV from an inanimate object. There's a, an interesting variety, okay. and I think it's fun to kind of look at them. Um, I tried to mix it up a little bit with my with my POVs. The first one I'm going with, I, I wouldn't say it's a um I wouldn't say it's a great film, but I, I'd say for the conversation about um uh, about these POV types of films. It's an interesting one to look at because I. It's an early one, and it's one where they were really trying to kind of put you in the the head of the protagonist. I'm look, talking about the 1947 film "Lady in the Lake." This is Robert Montgomery's uh, POV uh, uh, detective noir film, uh, focusing on the uh, Philip Marlowe as he's trying to find the uh, the uh, wife of um uh, of this guy who runs a magazine and uh, gets involved in kind of this whole murder plot and everything it's an interesting experiment for uh the 40s uh, where you basically made an entire film from somebody's point of view because especially because obviously it's it's not taking place over the hour and a half like there are jumps and so they had to figure out okay how are we gonna jump to the next scene and i think it's interesting i think it works some of the time but it doesn't it's not a great um a great film but it is really interesting to look at and to see what they were trying to do and and how they were trying to take a go at it especially because it is based on one of these raymond chandler novels where it's kind of written in that first person narrative style so it's an interesting experiment and i wanted to kick it off with that
2: no that's one that I came across in my research that I hadn't seen uh but I'm I'm glad you picked that because that's sort of the reason I you know mentioned POV POV for this list because in the 40s most films are shot in general, sort of like you're watching a play. the The camera is there, and and you get the scene. It's, and sometimes we get, you know, we'll get some cinematographers and directors that are doing some really innovative camera work with the camera moving through windows, things like that. But traditionally, things are locked down, and I think a lot of that had to do with the limitations of equipment. So to to have a camera that's more mobile, that's taking on the point of view of a person back then, uh, really innovative. And to to try to do that for an entire film, uh, yeah, just. Uh, interesting you know challenge to take on uh so my list i'm a little bit more rooted in more recent films um with found found footage is where i'm going to start because i know you guys did a found footage series it's been a while but uh this is one of my favorites uh in in that genre which is uh cloverfield the first one because we have the the gimmick with found footage is what is the reason for us to be seeing this and who's holding the camera and why and for cloverfield i it for me it worked in the theater i remember there being all kinds of warnings about this the the jerky camera the jiggly monkeys right could could make you nauseous uh because of the camera moving around from that point of view but that's where i want to start is for people that haven't seen cloverfield I don't know who that would be, but also to point people back to the found footage series, because I think that ties into sort of this POV series. You and Pete did, you know, several films looking at that found footage. And I think it's one that uh, some of our newer listeners may not be aware of, uh, be worth going back to check out. But that's I want to start with Cloverfield.
1: That's a great one. I mean, we talked about that one on our found footage series, and it's it's a really interesting film um that spawned a, an odd franchise <laughs> yes. i guess uh but it certainly is one i love it i think yeah. it's a great film uh i i have issues with some of it but oh, sure. i have a lot of fun with it yeah. too so oh. all right next up for me i am uh, you know i was i was thinking about this and i i wanted to do one where you get into the uh the antagonist perspective, particularly in horror films, the killer's oh, okay. perspective, yeah. because I, I it, they do a lot of that in films. It's an interesting way to kind of put you in the head of the killer as the killer is stalking their prey. I think it's it can be very effective. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of filmmakers who have employed it because they may not necessarily have the budget, especially when it's a particular creature, things like that. In this particular case it is a human and in this particular case it becomes incredibly effective and absolutely horrifying because of the way that it plays out. This is the perspective of James Gum who is stalking uh Clarice Starling in his basement in the dark. She's in pitch darkness and he is watching her through uh through an infrared goggles. And he's basically like stalking her. She can't see anything, and you're just watching her through his perspective as she's kind of stumbling around and knocking into things, and she has her hands reached out, and he is like practically in in front of her and he's you know kind of you know reaching his hand out toward her and then he's reaching a gun up and it's super creepy and it was done so effectively the audience i remember watching this the first time it had such incredible audience reactions uh, because it's just it's really terrifying being in his shoes watching our our uh, protagonist that's my next choice the silence of the lambs
2: I have not seen that in forever. It's one I need to to revisit because I remember just being astonished at that film uh, when I first saw it in theater. So, no, that's a, a great pick and a, a nice reminder to to revisit one that I have not seen. It's, you know, sort of taken – it's one of those films that's sort of taken on, I don't know, like iconic status and it uh, – Oh, Anthony Hopkins' performance has sort of become—I don't know—I don't want to say a cliche, but a, a stereotype of a villain. But I mean, there's a reason for that. Uh, yeah, you know right, right. And his performance in that. No, that's a a great pick. Hey, all right, I'm gonna go full on POV insanity with my with my next one. <laughs> um, and this actually, I first this was my first experience with this. Actually, was about. Six years ago, because this director directed a uh, a video for a band called Biting Elbows, and the name of the song is Bad Mother Effer, and the whole music video is point of view shot of a guy who's sort of escaping from men in black suits and there's sci-fi elements, but it was all, you know, first person point of view as he's fighting these guys off and everything. And it, I think it was sort of proof of concept for director Ilya Nyshuler for his much larger film, Hardcore Henry. Uh, So it was a project several years in the making and Hardcore Henry is... Just a ridiculously insane movie. It's a lot of fun. It's nothing I don't I don't know that I could have endured it in the theater. I did see it at home <laughs> on TV where I could pause occasionally. Uh, but just that point of view, you know, sort of like GoPro on the head type of perspective allows you to do a lot of creative things in terms of editing and shooting around things. And it's just violence and gore to the max with a story that's there's not a lot to it but uh the action just you know sort of keeps you through and it's got uh a a fun cast with uh you've got uh gosh what's his name charlotte copley who who plays multiple characters in this film so he keeps reappearing so it's whether they're clones or it's just a lot of fun if you haven't seen it it's one that i won't say it's a great movie but it's something to at least experience once
1: it's one that i missed um i, I actually had a buddy who uh, who worked on it so I, I keep feeling the need to watch it i just have never gotten around to it but uh i'm gonna have to check that one out it uh it's it's certainly piques my curiosity not
2: for kids unless you're pete pete can watch that with his kids on <laughs>
1: very gory excellent excellent Well, uh, for my last one, I feel like I need to go with, uh, you know, a really uh, just a a fantastic film that this time I was like, okay, I want to get into the head of not just uh, the protagonist, but really um, in an example where we're getting into the head of the protagonist, but in a way where the director is is uh, making the audience complicit in the actions that are going on in the film. I think it's a really interesting example, uh, looking at Alfred Hitchcock's 1954 film, Rear Window. I felt it was also fitting, since we are kind of talking about a couple of Hitchcock films right now. Um, this film I find so interesting as we uh, kind of hang out with uh, with Jimmy Stewart as uh, as uh, in the character Jeff as he's uh, stuck in a wheelchair. And what is he doing? He's sitting around in his apartment... And he's looking out uh, the window, his rear window, into the courtyard that backs up to a bunch of other apartments, and he's basically people watching. And it very much is an example of how... Uh, kind of uh, how Hitchcock likes to point things out to the audience like you know he is the audience and he's as complicit in all of this as you are sitting in the theater watching this it's a really interesting um, way that the, way that it all plays out as we kind of look at everybody going through their daily lives uh, in the back um, plus a murder so <laughs> it's I think a really interesting film well worth checking out that's my final pick Rear Window oh it's I've, I've
2: discovered that film in high school i actually had a film studies class in high school saw that and I'd, I'd seen a couple other hitchcock movies but oh my gosh i just fell in love with this movie it's it's i think it's in my top 10 of all time and unique point of view pieces but and usually through the cameras he's looking at but there is one great pov shot where you can tell how much hitchcock was in love with grace kelly because it's shot from you know jimmy stewart's point of view is is grace kelly's just coming in i think to to give him a kiss or something and it's it's one of those cases where it's it's pov from him but usually we get that through the camera or binoculars or something like this but this is without his camera equipment between him uh and her right right, right oh great pick classic Wow. Awesome. Well, what's your final pick? So my final pick um, surprised me. Uh, So Nick Langdon mentioned a movie yesterday, late in the day, and just said, oh, here's, you know, if you're talking about POV, here's this opening scene from this uh, movie, The Villainous. So I said, oh, that looks interesting. It was available on Hulu. I watched it last night uh, about halfway through and then finished it up this morning this is an amazing movie. The The opening fight scene is all point of view from this this female assassin. But what the film does then, when it shifts from her point of view in some of these fight scenes, the camera moves similarly. So it's almost like a camera... Moving through the fight choreography, so it's still being able to use some of the the tricks that P, that first person point of view gives you, where it's you know a quick whip pan to, to mask a cut, uh, to to limit what you're seeing, to to you know pan across the fight scene to to mask cuts. It works so well. It's it's not quite the what what was it uh, chaos cinema where it's you know shaky camera in fights. It's actually a camera that's choreographed through these fight scenes at some points when it's not first-person point of view, it's just you're in the fight and the camera is moving around to, to move in and on certain, you know, stabs and blood spurts or to, to move around the room to get you to uh, a different aspect of the fight all in one continuous shot. So some really unique choreography. Um, I'm assuming that uh, the... The team behind John Wick 3 has seen this movie because this film, which was released in 2017, has a sort of like knife fight on motorcycles. And if you've seen any of the clips from John Wick 3, you'll you'll see that there's a similar fight uh, scene. This one's much shorter, uh, but there's just, it's a lot of fun. The story is very reminiscent of uh, Luc Besson's Nikita, where you've got an assassin that's recruited, given a new identity. So the story hits some familiar points, uh, some different twists near the end, but I had so much fun. I want to thank Nick so much for recommending this movie. It is so much fun. I, I'm hoping that there's a sequel to this one because I really enjoyed this character and her story. Um or at least another film shot in this style from this uh from this director cuz it is just so much fun i want to highly recommend it i will gladly be patient zero
1: on this one because it's <laughs> it's
2: bonkers I fight think Nick gets
1: patient zero credit.
2: Oh, uh, yes, we can give Nick patient zero credit on this one if it if it goes viral. Because it's just really brilliant uh, choreography and cinematography combined. I was trying to come up with a word for that, like choreous cinematography. I don't know what to call it. Because the camera <laughs> is choreographed through these fight sequences. It's unlike anything right, right. I've seen before, and it's so much fun. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Uh, uh, where did you say you found it, it was, to watch? Uh, I found it on Hulu. Oh, okay. So I'm sure it's still out there.
2: You know, you can rent it. You know, digitally. You probably find it at the library. It's From 2017, uh, was looking for some info about this film because I'd never heard it before. It was uh, released at, at Cannes, out of competition, and got a four minute standing ovation. Um, it seems like that's the only festival where they like record the time of ovations because it's usually. <laughs> <laughs> You'll it's, say, how long of it's always like have. oh yeah this movie did great it had a six minute standing ovation at the end this one had a five minute standing. Right. like that it's not about stars or h- what critics say it's about how long of a standing ovation it gets and this one was a
1: lot of fun so nice. there you go well i'm adding it to my list because it sounds yeah. really interesting sounds like something i'd love so awesome well them's the lists everybody yeah
2: what are we going to do for next time? What, what are we, well, what are you guys talking we about? We are
1: continuing uh, talking about Hitchcock and Ingrid Bergman as we look at Notorious, which is, uh, she joins Cary Grant as they head to uh, Rio de Janeiro and uh, set up a con to catch a, uh, a Nazi uh, post-World uh, War II Nazi criminal and uh, and figure out his his whole plot. So, um, have you seen Notorious? Yes. This is the one with the big... Uh,
2: the camera following the key, right? That big, long... Uh, it's brain. not really
1: following it, right? It's just showing a party. It comes from, like, right. way upstairs, and then it booms, booms all the way, the way down. down to right. her hand and s- reveals that she has the key right. in her hand, yeah.
2: So, it's been a long time. Um, but, yes, I have seen it, but I don't remember... Key story points. That's the one thing I remember. It's sort of like everybody knows the the Dolly Dream sequence, um, and then everybody yeah. knows the the key scene from Notorious. So yeah. I, you'll have to refresh my memory on on key plot points and story points on this one. So for for list purposes.
1: Well, I feel like there's something in that whole key element because, you know, they they're trying to get into the wine cellar because uh, there's something mysterious happening with the wine and they're trying to figure it out. And so she has to um, secretly take his key, her, her husband's key, get it to Cary Grant so he can sneak in there, investigate and get the key back on her husband's key ring before he's any the wiser. So I feel like there is something in that where it's like, you know, they're trying to, it's like, it's like, you know, oceans 11 types of stuff okay, you know, where, yeah. they're, where they're trying to break into something, um, okay. uh, you know, kind of a, you know, secret, I don't know. What do you call that? Just kind of a covert break in a uh, kind of a heist. I mean, yeah, it's that's, not really a heist though, No,
2: but it's, it's sort of the, yeah, I guess the, the covert break in. Yeah. I guess where you've got, you've got, I guess you've sort of got somebody on the inside that's got to sneak or steal
1: something yeah um i guess it's just kind of the you know breaking in undetected yeah i I feel like i feel like though it's more than that it's because it's also about you know you have to get this item in order to do that so it's it's like i feel like there's a term for all of this that we're just not
2: (laughs) and there's people listening just shouting it out and into the internet there for us because it's also about like being deceitful with and it's not just sneaking into somebody else's it's like betrayal from inside your family unit or, you know, your team or something like that. It's sort of like, I guess I don't know. Like being the double agent. I don't know, but yeah, it's the sneaky scheme to steal the secret stuff from the seller. I don't know.
1: Why don't I put sneaky scheme? There we go.
2: We'll go with sneaky we'll schemes. We'll call it that. Yeah.
1: Uh, another key element is our, uh, um, um, our uh, antagonist, Claude Rains, is poisoning. Oh, poison. Ingrid Bergman. Poison. Okay. I think poisoning. Oh yes, could be a thing by itself, right? Oh, definitely. Okay, sneaky schemes, poisoning. Last but not least, um, let's see what else is going on. We've got um, Nazi war crimes. So we could we could do oh, stories about kind of post World War II, just dealing with you know the leftover Nazis. Oh sure. There we go. The do that?
2: Leftover Nazis. There we are.
1: <laughs> the leftover Nazis. Well,
2: does it separate from World War
1: II? It's like post yeah. World War II. So, right. yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I have a feeling I know at least one big film will probably all be fighting over on next week's <laughs> list because there's, there's one that instantly always comes yeah. to mind for me. All right. Uh, Okay, well, there you go. We've got our lists uh, put together uh, or the options on this week's poll. So everybody jump into the Show Talk channel over on Discord. Get your vote cast. And uh, we will see uh, what we end up talking about next week. Will it be sneaky schemes? Will it be poisoning? Or will it be the leftover Nazis?
2: (laughs) Oh, I forgot my my bonus on my POV list. Oh, what is it? I think I posted this onto Discord maybe a year or so ago, because I can't recommend this movie, because it's not a good movie. But it has one of the most hilarious POV (laughs) shots ever. Uh, Stakeout 2, there's this scene where a, a cat is being chased by a dog, and I swear there is a POV shot from the cat's butt, because it's it's... It's POV. The camera's moving. You see the dog running towards you, and then at the top of the frame, there's like a little orange thing hanging down, like as if the camera is right in the middle of the cat's butt because the tail is is sort of bouncing around in the top of frame. It's the most. Wow. It, it's like a five second shot. I have no idea why why you would do that, um, but it is, appears to be cat's butt POV. Stakeout two. That's hilarious. If you you can search it out there. I don't recommend the whole movie because. <laughs>
1: Or was I, it? A, I don't recommend searching it out. No. What is it? Another Stakeout? You know,
2: Richard Dreyfus and, you know, oh. Emilio Estevez or whatever it was. Yeah. But that's that, the one with Rosie O'Donnell, wasn't yes, it? Exactly. Join yes. Exactly. She joined them for the fun? Yes. She did. So, not a good movie.
1: But Why haven't we done a Stakeout series yet? You just need to do a. Well, you're going to hit. Is that is
2: that in the 80s or 90s? That may be early 90s. I, I can't remember if that's like 89.
1: I, I feel like Stakeout was the 80s. Yeah. I feel like the sequel came out in the 90s, yeah.
2: but yeah, you, you I don't know, well, if you hit that in your 80s, 80s list, you'll have to <laughs> it an
1: update. So, it's been a long time since yes. I've seen Stakeout. Yes. I don't know how much I really want to revisit it, but
2: because <laughs> the 80s were so much fun. Okay,
1: sorry, <laughs> there <laughs> are some interesting films though, for sure. Didn't mean
2: to derail us, but I forgot when we, whenever we talk about POV, I have to mention that because it's the most
1: ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So Um, funny. Well, I'm glad you did. Everybody needs to know more about cat bud povs, (laughs) and more people need to employ it. No, not really. Coen (laughs) Brothers, Tarantino, get on that. They both love pov. (laughs) Oh my. Yes. All right. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it. That's it uh, yeah. What are you watching next? Any uh, anything exciting? You're going to jump back into Criterion Channel? I think I'm going to jump back into Criterion Channel. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you saw, they're they're
2: stalking us. They uh, they every, every <laughs> weekend they that. do a like double feature and they'll find two films that that you wouldn't expect or or have a related theme sometimes. And for this weekend's like double feature, it's called Mind Games and they have Gaslight. Uh, which you guys just talked about, and then they have another one that it's the first one in their their Columbia Noir selection, uh, and the name is eluding me right now. But I just watched that, and I feel like they're stalking us. They're they're watching us. They're watching what we're watching on Criterion. Uh, Ray Delancey and I are you know. In the Criterion channel, maybe we're the only ones there. I don't know. And they're trying to cater to us. But uh, yeah, we will we will see. But that's... Uh, so I'm continuing in the Columbia Noir. I think uh, I'll try and knock out a couple this weekend. And I'm, I'm hoping to get out to see Booksmart this weekend is another thing I'm hoping to do. Wow, because it's, it's been getting rave reviews. I know Tommy posted in Discord about it. Uh, I know Olivia Wilde on Twitter had posted last weekend urging people to try to get out to see it because it was going to get slaughtered by Aladdin, uh, just urging people to get out so that studios know there are audiences for these films. And I'm sad to say I I let her down because it was one that I know I had put as a trailer pick, so I'm hoping to get out this weekend. Um, It's one that I think my kids would enjoy, but if I go with them, I may have to sit in a different part of the theater because I don't know that I want to be near them watching sort of raunchy teen comedies. So
1: Right, right, yeah. What about you? you? I yeah my wife uh, she saw Booksmart already oh, and okay. really wants to take me to it she, okay. she and her sister went inside but now she's like I have to take you to it so <laughs> that's I think on our list this weekend okay. uh, to go catch that I um, I you know I have a, just a huge watch, watch list of things to, <laughs> to check out I'm always um, looking at uh, you know uh, way too many options to pick from um, I just started scrolling through Netflix uh, through my list last night and i'm like yeah i've got a lot of these to watch oh yeah i don't know what i'm gonna watch next i guess i just don't know but um but i'd like to put book smart on that list and uh you know i kind of really want to uh figure out how i'm going to get these uh first two john wicks rewatched so that i can <laughs> finally see the third one so i may i may kind of forcibly put that onto my list okay. in front of some of my other watch list yeah. items just so i can feel like i'm caught up to everybody okay. else and actually part of the conversation sounds good so yeah all right all right well all of our wonderful listeners thanks so much for supporting us we really appreciate uh the the love you show us and uh we love that you're tuning in every week and uh checking out the show and uh chatting with with us over on discord and facebook and twitter and Wherever else we may be, we really appreciate it and uh, we are uh, grateful and we love chatting movies with everybody. So jump in and uh, keep up the conversation. Otherwise, uh, until next week, Steve. Ando.
0: just visit the slash originals your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you